It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You're listening to Adrift with Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port. Now that I've told you, you're welcome to forget it right away and use the space that you have left over to chastise something. doesn't matter what. Hello? Are you listening to me? Everything is amazing. Adrift with Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port. Hello. Guten Tag. Ah, yes, guten Tag. Just speaking a bit of German because I was in Austria until yesterday. I went to Austria um, with Ed Miliband to talk about the other podcast. Your other co-host. Yes. Your other podcast. Yeah. Yeah. We went to a radio conference some years ago in Milan or somewhere, didn't we? It was Milan. Yeah. 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 We've done ours. Yeah, I went with you first. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. yeah. it was in Vienna. Guess who they had as one of the speakers? Um, was it the guy who sang Vienna? Yes. <laughs> was it? Who was it again? Yeah, Majeur. Majeur from Ultravox. Did he sing it? I don't know. I mean, I didn't um. attend the uh, the session, but I just thought. I mean, they've clearly just shoehorned him in because of that song. Yeah. I'm not sure how much relevance he's got to the modern audio podcast <laughs> and radio industries in 2018, but yeah. he sang Vienna, so we better have him on. Um, I, I the the thing that's been going around in my head is never. I, I read it a piece of advice in an interview not that long ago, but it's basically don't agree to do don't agree to anything in the future that you wouldn't want to do that afternoon. That is possibly the best advice I've ever heard. It's such good advice. I do it all the time. I think oh, I was ages away. I'll say yes, yeah, and then and then yeah, suddenly it's yeah. not ages away, and you regret it. Yeah, yeah. People ask you to do things six months in the future, oh. and that is so abstract. Mm. You just think oh, it'll be probably be fine. I'll say yes. Also, it's difficult to think of an excuse for something six months in the future. That is true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, so. <laughs> No, that's that's what I've been doing, mm. and part of the reason I don't like doing things like this, where there are like hundreds, if not thousands, of people from radio industries across Europe and the world, is I just panic constantly that I'm going to bump into somebody that I worked with twenty years ago mm. or a year ago mm. and not remember them because I'm so bad with faces and names. Well, I've seen you bump into someone who you are working with and not recognise them in the street. So, it's so yeah. terrible. Yeah, yeah. So so this happened to me. Oh. So no. we were checking into the hotel yeah. and just as we'd finished checking in, there's a guy in one of the other queues for the receptionist who says, Jeff, and I look at this guy and I think, I, I don't know who you are. Now, fortunately, he's filling in a slip. 
So what I managed to do is go, hi. And as I'm saying hi, sort of bolt over towards him yeah. and try and angle at myself uh, uh, in such a way that I can read what he's writing down on his slip. So oh, so I can see his name. Yeah. What if he's filling in for someone else? No, but fortunately <laughs> I, I, um, I made a calculated risk. Yeah. And I said, hi, Thomas, how are you doing? And then as I see his name, I start remembering things about who he is just from seeing the name yeah. and then just ask far too many questions. Oh, to prove that you know yeah, him. Yeah, but it gets worse. <laughs> I then am still thinking, oh God, it was really obvious that I didn't know his name. So I, I go back to my um, room, you know, once we checked in yeah. and I look him up on Facebook. Yeah. And then I see him the next day and I don't know why I did this. Oh, yeah. Uh, but he's, you know, I'm still trying to overcompensate, really. Yeah. I say, Thomas, good to see you again. Hey, wasn't it your birthday a couple of weeks ago? Oh, no. <laughs> like, you remember his birthday. Oh, Jen. Oh, what is wrong with me? Oh. So now he knows that he just basically looked up on Facebook. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes when you're not paying attention, you didn't even realise you're in a sewer. That's not the case here. Right now you're on a lake and it's it's really nice. Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port, Adrift. It's a play on words about water. If you haven't already, will you share your story of social ineptitude with us? You can email us hello at adriftpodcast.com. This is from James in London. My wife and I have just had our first baby and inevitably we've been having a lot of deliveries coming to our house as we've been ordering a lot of stuff for him, nappies, clothing, etc. Because of this, we end up missing some deliveries. But we live on a nice street with friendly neighbours who take packages for us when we're not in and they either drop them over to us or we pop over to get them. Nice. However, one delivery arrived when my wife and I weren't in <clears throat> and the little car the delivery person left said it had been left at number 21, which is just across the road from our house. As my wife and I have only recently moved to the street, we hadn't spoken to anyone in that house before. So on my way back from work the following evening, I decided to pop over to number 21 and retrieve the package. It was about seven in the evening, so it was a bit dark. And when I got to the front door, the only way I could see of knocking on the door was with a tiny door knocker just above the letterbox. I don't know why, but I knocked in a friendly tap, 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 you know, when you knock on a door in a way that says, I'm a nice, friendly person and definitely not a psychopath. After knocking, I then found myself in that social no man's land where I wasn't sure how long it was acceptable to wait outside a stranger's front door before it started to look like I was some sort of crazed stalker. It was then that I noticed there was an actual doorbell next to the door. At this point, I'd been standing outside in the dark for a good few minutes and it felt like I was fast approaching crazed stalker territory, so I pressed it. A loud dong rang out from behind the door. I didn't see any lights come on or hear any noises from inside, so just assumed no one was in. So I turned around and began walking back across the road towards my house. I say walking, but for some unknown reason, I decided to jog. Just as I reached the other side of the pavement, I turned around to see a little old lady standing in her doorway, giving me a stare that can only be described as unparalleled disdain, as she obviously thought I just rang her doorbell and ran away. She slammed the door. A couple of days later, she came and knocked on my door with a delivery, but I hid because I didn't want her to know that I was there, <laughs> and she'd certainly recognised me as the man who apparently rang her doorbell and ran away. She still has my package. I may suggest to my wife we move house again. <laughs> That's so good. Have I told you when we first moved in, we had a toaster delivered? No. Um, but but it came up as left with a neighbour. Right. And nobody's brought it. 
And we, you never just said with a neighbour, you never got it. Yeah, so we didn't get a card. Yeah. I went online to see what happened. It said no. lost, left with a neighbour. So I then called the company and said, look, nobody's brought this round. And they said, we can see from the tracking that it's in the, you know, the vicinity of your house, but we can't tell you exactly which house number. No. Yeah. So somebody got a free toaster out of us. You didn't go around knocking on all the doors? (laughs) No, I can't imagine. Sorry, why should I suggest that? Like I was in, um, what's the Inspector Poirot (laughs) or something. Okay, and this is from Lizzie. She says, I have two stories about my social ineptitude, which make me shudder whenever I think about them. What concerns me is that as a largely rational person, I can objectively look at occurrences such as these in my life. I want to scream at myself for my behaviour. But my thought process in awkward situations is frankly a bizarre series of decisions to avoid the slightest conflict. Anyhow, my first story is about hiding. When I was 18, I was living with my parents, who were having considerable renovations done to their house. This meant that the living room had become a storage space for 25 years worth of stuff. The builder, Mr Chatty, was the type of man who loved to engage anyone who would listen in a conversation all about his views. These views were vastly different from my own, but he quickly realised that I was somebody who would listen, simply because I couldn't bring myself to disagree or walk away. These conversations were daily, and usually my only contribution was occasional, hmm, and I see. (laughs) This is so familiar (laughs) to me. Oh, yeah, yeah. He was at my parents' house for weeks, and these unpleasant chats were sometimes extending to 45 minutes. I couldn't cope. One day as I was coming home, I saw he was there. He was working upstairs, so I opened the door silently and crept about the house. I decided that anything was better than another conversation, so I did the only thing I could think of, hide. I walked into the living room. Perfect. Plenty of piles of books to hide between until he finished for the day. It would only be half an hour. I found myself a corner where the piles were particularly high and snuggled myself into my book fortress, awaiting the moment that I could make my escape. 30 minutes go by and he's still working. 45 minutes. One hour. He eventually finishes work after 90 minutes and I'm feeling cramped and embarrassed, but at least he's leaving. As I hear him walk downstairs, to my horror, he enters the room I am hiding in and wanders around. He starts rooting around, seemingly looking for something, and I spot that he's left some tools in there. At this point, the cramp gets the better of me and I have to move, (laughs) toppling the piles of books over in the meantime. My hiding place is revealed and I stand there, (laughs) red-faced. The builder stared at me, said nothing and left. Needless to say, he did not chat to me again. (laughs) What kind of work, really? Yeah, it did, yeah, yeah. Short-term pain, long-term gain. Yeah, yeah. My second story is about meek revenge. And as I recount this, I have genuine concern for my former self. When I was a student, I worked in a shop where I'd started a whirlwind relationship with one of my co-workers. I was head over heels in love with him. He was everything I wanted and more. But he did not feel the same way and quickly broke up with me, telling me he needed time and space and blah, blah, blah. This did not stop him from getting into a relationship with another co-worker right under my nose, though. In my heartbroken, livid, muddled brain, I wanted to hatch a plan to make him pay. But I still loved him, and I can't do conflict, so I decided to make him pay in a minuscule way, and so that he would have no idea it was really me. One might ask what the point was. My revenge was thus. I knew that cashing up was his most hated task, particularly counting coins, and that he liked to keep the shop in a precise order. I was savage. 
Every day for the four remaining months I worked there, I emptied £40 worth of £5 coins, 5p coins, sorry, into the tills, knowing you'd have to count every single one. I moved items in the shop by mere inches, so things seemed just a little bit off. I put obstacles in walkways and moved his possessions. It probably some relief to know I was wrecking havoc, very minor irritations to his daily life. On some level, I hoped he'd know it was me and to what depths he pushed me, but simultaneously felt shame and mortification every step of the way i'd like to think i've learned better now but i still run away from conflict oh that's so great that's very uh, amelie yes isn't it yeah uh, so we'd love to hear from you have you got a story of meek revenge um hiding stories uh we could do um d- d- anything involving sort of neighbors and parcel delivery etiquette you know i, th- I feel that is perhaps fertile ground for us mm. uh, shyness is nice of course pretending to know what you're doing um blurting things out your story please of social ineptitude and your, your your failure to blend in with the rest of the human race email is hello at adriftpodcast.com you're adrift jeff lloyd and annabelle port Everything that you always wanted And a friend that was with you all the time Who is also watching you closely judging So, Annabelle, yes. you have prepared a story Yes, now another thing to add to my list of things I'm bad at Relaxing Don't get me wrong, I'm very good at doing nothing all day, achieving absolutely nothing, but I'm never relaxed. I'm worrying about something, running through a long list of things that are going to go wrong and playing each one out in my head in detail, or having an imaginary argument with someone in my head, that kind of thing. I'm pretty sure I get this from my mum, who, when she last visited a month ago, brought with her an eight two-litre bottles of water, which she said for when the Russians hack into our water supply. And this was all this is before all the stuff going on in the news with the Russians. But that has escalated her fears because she rang me from her sick bay where she's been for the last two weeks with a viral infection to tell me to go to the supermarket now and stock up on tin goods as the Russians are going to cut off our electricity. <laughs> So I think we all know what she's been going in her head, like on in her head when she's been lying there all day. Yeah, like, yeah, she's just yeah. been obsessing over this. She also once left a message on my answer phone. This is completely out of nowhere, warning me to make sure that when I went on the underground that I didn't wear a very long scarf, or if I did, I was to make sure it wasn't hanging loose, that it was tucked into my coat, as I might get it caught in a tube door or an escalator. <laughs> I've got no idea where that fear came from. I suspect just her imagination. I think she was just going through things that might happen to me. And it was just one of the things she got a bit worn worn about that. Anyway, I'm not very good at relaxing, I think, as a result. So it was nice that my boyfriend from my first Mother's Day bought me a spa experience. My afternoon was all planned out for me. I arrive, I use the spa facilities, I have a massage and a facial, then afternoon tea in the hotel next door. I went last week. And I quickly realised that it was actually a gym that had a pool, steam room, sauna and treatments room. It wasn't a spa in the traditional sense. Right, no pan pipe music. No, it wasn't what used to be called a health farm. Right, cucumbers aren't being put on people's eyes. Absolutely not. But that didn't stop them from giving me a white fluffy bathrobe and slippers to wander around in, even though everyone else was just in gym gear and a towel. (laughs) So I am really standing out and I'm feeling a bit weird and I can't see anybody else in a fluffy robe. But I've got an hour before my massage and face. So I'm going to use the sauna and steam room, which are by the pool. Now, I've been told that the quickest way to get to the treat rooms after I finish with the sauna and steam is not to go back the way I came, but to take the door at the far end of the pool. 
So I use the sauna and steam room. It's nice. I have quite a stressful daydream about being recruited by MI5, which I really enjoy. And then I put on my fluffy robe and slippers, put them on over my swimsuit and head back, head to the treatment room. And I walk the length of the pool where about three people are swimming and I go through the door ahead of me. Now, in retrospect, the big M on the door was the clue that this wasn't the right way. I, I actually don't know what I was thinking. I think I, it did vaguely register and I thought, oh, it was decorative M or something. I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> Madame Moiselle. Yeah. But because I've been told that it was a door at the end of the pool, even when I was through the door and all the signs were there that it was, in fact, the men's changing room, in that there were lockers and sinks and showers and lots of men in various stages of undress, it still hadn't registered that I'd made a mistake. So I'm wandering around looking for the treatment rooms. And women, and let's not forget, unlike everybody else in the building in a white fluffy dressing gown and it took me far too long to realise but when I did I was far enough in for it to be a very long walk back out of the door I came from but I didn't make eye contact with anyone because that's the only way to survive that situation when I come out of the men's changing rooms into the pool area there's a man swimming in my direction staring at me with a look that seemed to say only one word and that word is pervert so I felt like I had to say something which I think is my biggest regret of the whole affair as I didn't have any time to think about what to say so I just said just having a look, which didn't make it any better at all. It just made it worse. And then worse than that, he didn't say a word. He just gave me a look of disgust and carried on swimming. But I suppose at least I didn't jump into the pool in my gown and swim up to him and try and explain because that was my second thought. And as it turned out, there was another door, which I hadn't seen, but it was unmarked. Like, mark the door. So it was good that I wasn't able to relax during my massage and facial. And I was able to replay the whole situation again and again. (laughs) And then worried that I haven't got enough water at home for when the Russians hack into our water supply. If you're insightful and aligned with this vision, you might be ready for the next phase. Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port. Adrift. If you are a Patreon supporter, you may be wondering, where's this video then? Ah, yes, the video. Yes, so we recorded it after last week's podcast, mm. but um, I, I have to tinker around with it before I can get it to you. There are certain hoops, technical hoops, that I need to jump through, mm. uh, and not being the most technical of people, um, it's it's taken me a while longer than I would have liked it to. So sorry about that, but it is on its way. My only worry is by the, the delay, anticipation is building up. Uh, and uh, <laughs> I mean, I would, I would lower those expectations yeah, if, yeah. I, if I were you. If I were you, I'd just forget about it. <laughs> and, and, then, and then it'd be a nice surprise. Yeah, or a surprise. It'll be a surprise. I mean, yeah. it's basically just Annabelle and I sat talking like this, but you can see us. Oh, there you go. <laughs> There's the surprise. That's worth the extra uh, yeah. few dollars a month. Yeah. Um, if you're not a Patreon supporter, you're thinking, God, that sounds amazing. <laughs> well, if you uh, go to patreon.com stroke adrift, uh, you'll have details of how you can become a supporter of this podcast. If you enjoy listening to us, if you just spare us just a little bit of money every month, it really helps us and um, will help us carry on doing it for you and there are the various levels of support you can uh, you can pledge including the level which allows you access to exclusive video content mm, mm. um what else what else are we doing with patreon that we need to catch up on we need to think about this coach trip to south end don't we? oh you know what we'd forgotten about that hadn't we <laughs> is it just me that forgotten about it now i mean i was supposed to look into a coach company wasn't i yeah yeah i should put it on my list how long did you list it's actually not that too bad. You're still the mother of a newborn. 
Well, he's nearly six months. <laughs> when when do, when do you stop saying newborn? I, know, I, I think I've already had to stop doing it and I hate it because like when you ring utilities and stuff like about things going wrong, when you mention newborn, things really happen quickly and I feel like I can't say newborn anymore. Oh, is that right? Yeah, yeah. Damn. Mm. I can't really say baby anymore. Jean's nearly no, two. No, no. Well, he's so walking. So toddler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's toddling. Mm. Um, I had to buy a plane ticket the other day and um, it'll be for after his second birthday and you just get charged full price. No. Yes. That's terrible. I know. God, can't you just lie him on the floor? <laughs> <laughs> to offer. <laughs> I was on um, this, the plane coming back from Vienna and directly behind me was a couple with what turned out to be a two and a half month old baby. Oh. And it was like crying a bit and stuff. And, and I made a point of standing up and turning around saying, oh, your baby's so good. Oh. What's her name? Oh, hasn't she got a strong neck? <laughs> I, I only did it. I only did it because I wanted to feel like a hero. The saying, hasn't she got a strong neck? That's, yeah. all, that's all any parent of yeah. anyone wants to hear. Yeah. <laughs> I remember being on a flight with Jean when he was really tiny, about that tiny, and there was a woman, she was a paediatrician, actually. Oh, gosh. And she said, oh, your baby's got a lovely strong neck. And, oh. I mean... I it, I couldn't. There was nothing better I could have heard. Looking back, was she saying it just to make you happy? <laughs> yeah, maybe she was. Yeah, now that I know, yeah, yeah. Now that I know. But I mean, I don't know what that boy will achieve in his life. Mm. Like he could go on to win a Nobel Prize, <laughs> but nothing I don't think would ever feel as good to me as when this pediatrician said, "Oh, your baby's got a lovely strong <laughs> oh, neck." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no one's ever said it about mine. Yeah. So look at him, jelly neck. <laughs> oh. uh, anyway, if. Um, if, if you would like to support us on Patreon and ensure that uh, Annabelle's um, son gets plenty of calcium for his neck, <laughs> neck development, yeah. then go to patreon.com stroke adrift. Form an orderly bubble and off we go. Adrift. Sorry to go on about the other podcast mm, so much this one. week. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to make you feel jealous, but kind of everything that's happened to me has been in some way related to that. So I went to Vienna and that took up the best part of a couple of days. And then last Friday... Um, we were nominated for an award, mm-hmm. the Broadcasting Press Guild Award. Guild. The word yeah. guild says it all to me. That is classy. We represent. <laughs> um, so so we went to an award ceremony mm-hmm. on Friday, which was great. I was sat on a table with Prince Charles. I know it wasn't really Prince no, Charles. No, I told Annabelle this already. <laughs> it was the little boy who plays Prince Charles in The Crown. Did you recognise him? Because you watch The Crown, Yeah, you? I wouldn't recognise him if I didn't know that we were sat on the same table as the people from The Crown. Okay. And um, so, th- so that was exciting. And I was sat next to one of the directors who directed, I think, four or five episodes in the last series, so one of the main ones. And I just badgered him the whole time, saying, please, when you get to um, the 80s and the kids are growing up, can I be Randy Andy, <laughs> Prince Andrew, in his Playboy oh, stage with Koo Stark? Yeah! <laughs> Oh. I mean, and then, then they could keep me on for future series when um, he gets so frustrated at his front gate being locked like, <laughs> that he just drove his Land Rover into them rather than getting somebody to come and unlock it. Which is the greatest moment in the history of the Royals. So I'm <laughs> they'll do a whole series on just yeah. on that one event. Yeah. I mean, I know, I know that I'm not this huge name, so they're not going to cast me as Prince Charles mm. during that time with Camilla when he oh. said in that phone call that he wanted to be a tampon. Yeah, yeah. And no. what else did he say? Press the tip. Yes, of course. No, no. Um, That'll be too serious, yeah, I hope. So, <laughs> I could stretch it for two series. <laughs> so I was realistic. Um, so I said, please, can I be Prince Andrew? And he didn't say no. He didn't say no. He didn't say no. Well, that's yes. Mm. Oh, I'm so excited. So there was that. And then, then the other thing that happened was um, 
I mean, there were lots of luminaries there, but I generally don't want to meet a luminary or a famous person. I generally oh. want to skulk in the in the corner. Oh, okay. However, David Attenborough was there. Oh, really? Who, wow. I mean, it's it's that's my phone. Oh. Not the producer from The Crown <laughs> is it firming up the role of Prince Andrew? Um, yeah, David Attenborough was there, and I mean, I struggled to think of a more beloved human being. Yeah. So, of course, I would have liked to have said hello to David Attenborough. But being how I am, I'm not going to barrel over and shake his hand. No, well, no. however, yeah, my other podcast co-host Ed Miliband, yeah, does exactly that. The confidence of the man. Guess who he doesn't take with him? Doesn't take you. No. So no. he went and sat and talked to David Attenborough for about five minutes, maybe ten minutes. They had a right old chat. They were laughing. I could see them on the next table. And I think the appropriate thing to to have done was David Attenborough would have said in his fabulous voice like well, well, so why are you here and yeah. Edward said I'm doing a podcast yes. actually my co-host is over there Jeff come yeah, over yeah, come and meet yeah yeah but no I just I just I was left in the cold oh yeah so you you're with me you think that he should have introduced me to well, David everyone Attenborough. wants to be David Attenborough exactly so, so there's yes. no that's my point there's no yeah. ambiguity no I saw him talking to Prue Leith at one stage okay I think you and, could take or leave yeah exactly yeah, but, yeah, yeah. but everybody wants to meet David Attenborough <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah and he didn't introduce me oh, mm. what should I do about this how should it have been handled I find out in this week's The Incident <laughs> To get a sense of what it must be like to always be having people wanting you to introduce them to David Attenborough, I talked to his great nephew, the actor Will Attenborough. Yeah, it's, it's actually fine. I, you know, we do sort of have a bit of, we do get requests, and we have a bit of a family policy of kind of saying no to them. Otherwise, it's just so many. But I am often baffled by like some someone um, who works on W1A, that TV show. Yeah, they wanted to get David Attenborough on it, and. I know one of the accident called this guy called Hugh Skinner, and he was like, "Well, I, I know Will. Like, we could maybe ask him." And it's sort of like, "You guys work for the BBC. Yeah. Do you have like a better way of getting to, <laughs> to talk to him than me? That's mental." Is is there an age in your family where you get the sit down and say, "Okay, the surname is Attenborough, <laughs> and this this is how it has to go." Uh, there was never what like a sort of bird and the bees talk. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um. No, I think it was just a sort of by osmosis, you know, growing up and realising um, uh, that, that every, every time you go, oh, well, Attenborough, people go, oh, yeah, any relation? <laughs> and you sort of realise as you get older what it what it means. So have um, you, but, do you, do you ever, do you ever deny it? It's a no, no relation, no. <laughs> do you know what? I don't, but maybe I should experiment with that. Yeah. I don't know why I haven't. I could be like, no, <laughs> just leave it there. <laughs> or I could be like, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever used it for your own nefarious ends? What, for sex? Yes, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what I'm getting at, really. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, no I well, it's, it can't, it doesn't hurt, does it, to be like, you know, get somebody's attention. <laughs> no, it's, it's a shop window. We all need a shop window. Exactly, yeah. And actually, recently, my friend told me that he went to... Um, this dance night that is a David Attenborough themed dance night. Uh, so it's like some students have set up this thing called Jungle Boogie. Right. And it's all um, uh, like, there's like David Attenborough, David Attenborough's voice playing, um, people wearing like David Attenborough masks. It sounds 
crackers and it's like a really big thing it's all over like universities and stuff now god is there there any music or are they just dancing to the sound of his voice (laughs) no there is music there's there's like you know soul and funk music yeah and the dulcet tones of david attenborough narrating it people's dance you must you must have had a thing like i think a lot of people when they start seeing somebody the thing you really don't want to do is to have to meet the family you you must have you must have that in reverse so when am i when am i going to meet your family then i just never bring people back (laughs) they just never do um yeah although i i guess i don't uh I guess that'll happen if I get married or something. Right? I've actually probably am one of the few people that's not dealt with that. All my other siblings are quite grown up and, you know, settled down. I'm the sort of wayward one. So I haven't had to cross that that bridge. But um, I, you don't, I don't actually see him unless it's sort of Christmas, birthdays, the sort of more special occasions. So, Well, it's a weird one, isn't it? Because I guess most people wouldn't be answering questions about their grandfather's brother. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. You know, it's, it's more it's more removed, but because of who it is. I mean, have you, I don't suppose you've ever met anybody who feels any kind of hostility or, ah, David Attenborough, I'm not fussed with him. I mean, is, is there a more universally beloved person? I know, I know. I actually do. I am actually very grateful for that, that, that no one's been like that little you know like really sort of hates him or something yeah um yeah everyone's always very positive i mean imagine being related to oh, i don't know i mean just like somebody else now piers morgan something like that <laughs> <laughs> i can't be helpful yeah um no it's it's actually really nice does any part of you because you, you know you work in uh, you work as a performer and actor yourself does any part of you think oh god i mean my forebears have achieved such great things what's what's the point even or does it take the pressure off i think when i was younger i had such an ego <laughs> that i it didn't bother me because i just thought well step aside wait till this guy enters the scene <laughs> there's a new amber in town <laughs> yes, exactly. you think david was beloved yeah. <laughs> i remember watching university challenge when i was quite young and thinking i'll be an answer to one of these one day <laughs> just so staggering arrogant in in, but, ni- um, in 1993 yeah. city life magazine in manchester which was like the manchester equivalent of time out they ran an article on 10 young mancunians who oh, yeah. they predicted would be a household name by the year by 10 years in the future so 2003 and i'll tell you what new year's eve that year was a very bad one for me it's just like a stark <laughs> reminder of all the things that i'd failed to accomplish in that decade <laughs> brutal yeah. very brutal yeah but... oh, i know well that's the process isn't it you go up and you realize that you know it's a big it's a big ocean out there and you're actually quite a small fish yeah that's you give up on your dreams quite healthy you do... <laughs> <laughs> not everything is possible say, yeah i was gonna say you learn to love yourself but give up on your dreams is more yeah. more accurate <laughs> 
um, happy birthday for all of you who aren't listening. And those of you who are, you're in on the joke. Great. Good work. Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port, Adrift. Thank you. I feel the need to apologize for the length of uh, this week's episode. I think it's going to be a bit shorter than usual. Um, and that is in part because, Annabelle, you, you've driven here and you need to drive back and you really want to, you don't want to speed. <laughs> no, no, I don't, I don't want to um, get a speeding fine. No, yeah, so, no. So we've had to rattle through the podcast, especially quickly this week. Mm. Can I watch you pull out of your parking space? <laughs> I'd love to stand there saying, just a bit more, bit more. Whoa, whoa. Would that be helpful it, to you? I'm going to be particularly bad because where I've parked, it's on a slight hump. So there's a lot of rolling backwards and forwards <laughs> going to be involved, like pa- panicky braking. Oh, no, no. Maybe I could video that for the Patreon <laughs> subscribers. Yeah. I think that would be a real treat. Mm. Um, so, so yeah, uh, and then the other reason is actually not that much has happened to me this week, so I'm really struggling to think of anything to tell you about. But uh, I, I, being in another country, I'm always so self-conscious about my inability to speak another language. Okay, you hate the fact that you haven't made the effort. Oh, yeah, yeah it's just awful. So in Austria, of course, they speak German, and I did do German at school. Mm. But what I feel that is I'm very confident with my Entschuldigungsie, Yep, nice. Excuse me. Mm. But then I can't really remember anything else apart from bitter and anchor. Right. So I will, we were in a taxi and um, I very confidently, uh, as we were arriving at the destination, I very confidently went, Entschuldigen Sie! And the guy turned around. And then I wanted to say, oh, just here, I'll be fine. But I just couldn't find the words. So I just ended up going, here is good. <laughs> so here isn't right, is it? So you're ba- no, it's not. I know it's not. So you're basically mixing like like it's good is pretty much in both languages. What did yeah, you think of you? It's good. Oh god. Yeah, I just uh, tipped. Bitter. Yeah, I just uh, yeah, yeah, I just tipped oh. very heavily to oh. uh, to overcompensate. Of course, yeah, yeah. Now that you're listening, it's happening. Do you know it? Do you like it? When will you be here in the future? I will be here in the future. Adrift. With Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port. Well, we've had no further suggestions of titles for Quandary Corner at the Glap Clinic in Problematic. So I think, um, you know, that's that's what we're working with, unless you have any further thoughts on it. I think that's what it's called, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Okay. This first one's from Rebecca, who says, I have a question for Quandary Corner at the Glap Clinic in Problematic. It's about quiet zones on trains. I get the train into the city for work and the journey takes about an hour. Our trains are double-decker and in the morning and evening rush hours, the top level is a quiet zone. At either end of the carriage is a quiet zone sign and some carriages also have signs telling people exactly what the rules are. Also, if the train is on the way home, the guards will make an announcement as we leave the first station telling everyone the quiet zone is in effect. I relish the quiet zone. Though I know some people hate them. And I have to admit that I shoot people pointed looks and inwardly seethe when people don't obey it. I found myself inwardly seething a little too much when people were talking. And so I've started politely reminding people it's the quiet zone if they are persistently talking. As a drifter, you can imagine that was not my instinct, but it was Mm. driving me mad. And your stories of shushing people in the cinema spurred me on. Mm. I thought, if Jeff who once made small talk by saying, I bet I can touch that beam, can shush people in the cinema, I can shush people in the quiet zone. My question is, what is the status of the quiet zone before the train departs? 
As it's the first station, it can be 15 minutes or more between the train arriving and departing. Is it still in effect or does it not count until we've gotten going and the train guard has mentioned the quiet zone in their announcement? Do I have permission to be irritated with the people that talk loudly on the phones before departure? Are they computer miscreants or are they right? <laughs> OK, so that's the first question. Should we deal with that first? Yeah, yeah, so I mean, it is a difficult one because I think the quiet zone 15 years ago, it was very clear what went and what didn't go in the quiet zone. Mm. But I think as life has moved on, that has become muddied. Um, and I, I do think that we will see the the sad extinction of quiet zones in the next 10 years or so. I think it's gone already. I think the signs are there, but no yeah. one pays any attention yeah, to them yeah. now. But, um, but if they are being obeyed, what what do you think so before we, the we, train moves? Do we know where um, she's emailing us from? Mm, doesn't say exactly, no. So it's a double-decker train, which yeah. makes me think maybe she's emailing from somewhere in the States. Yep, maybe. So... I mean, perhaps it's different. Like, I like the fact that the announce the, the train guard is coming on and making the announcement about the quiet zone, mm. and there are rules. Like, I don't know what the rules are. I'd, no. I'd like to hear because you know you mentioned people talking persistently. Is that is that a rule? Like, don't talk persistently mm. because I've always found it like it's a difficult rule to enforce if you're saying people can't talk on the mobile phones, mm. but people can talk to each other. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yep. are they saying you should? Talk in hushed tones. Well, I feel quiet is only silence. Well, it's quiet, not silence. It's quiet. Um, quiet isn't silence. I never thought is of it? that. Okay. But but you know there are, there are, I think there are, we we as a society we as a, a, a the human race need to figure out what the future of quiet zones is. But we're not going to get that done here now. We're just dealing with the immediate question. And my feeling is is that anything goes until they make the announcement. Okay. Yeah. So I, I know that's not what you want to hear. I don't agree. Oh, really? I think from the moment you get on, it's a quiet carriage. Be be quiet. That's how I feel. Because you might want to start, say, 15 minutes. You might say you've got a bit of work to do or something, mm. or a book you want to read in peace. You want to do it from the beginning. You don't want to sit there in the noisiness. But it's you're not on your journey. You're only mm. on your journey when the train is moving. And I think it's the quiet zone for the duration of the journey. Oh, by the way, it's calendar. I've just seen low Right. Yeah. So sort of philosophically, mm. I don't know if it's it's really the journey until you're in motion. Oh, well, it's, it's a philosophical question then, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's, this is very, very difficult. But I think, you know, um, you, you could listen to Annabelle, but I have a strong sense <laughs> that it's, it's like when the teacher walks in. Uh, so if you think everyone's a bit raucous, then the teacher yeah. walks in, so it's quiet, please. Okay. It's, it's the same thing on the train in the quiet zone. Okay, let's move on to the second question. Yes. What about when people bring toddlers or children into the quiet zone? They have 12 carriages of lower deck to choose from. Should I be warning them that they'll be getting pointless looks, pointless looks of irritation? It's Canada. People are generally too polite to say anything. <laughs> Give them the opportunity to move before it gets full. Or should I say nothing? You should say nothing. So oh. unless the train company specifically say no toddlers mm. in the quiet zone, which would be a bold move on their part. Very bold. You, you can't go round with mm. the sort of Victorian children should be seen and not heard thing. It's just... Because of course the children want to go on the upper deck. The upper deck's the better carriage, like yeah. the better bit, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. As we've said before, even as a man in his 40s, I still get excited about going on the top deck. Yeah. So actually that feels a bit cruel that that has to be quiet. Yeah, if anything, they should make the upper deck yes. the raucous Yeah. Yes, the fun, just, the party just deck. The sound probably travels up. Yeah. Um, okay. Which finishes by saying, your wisdom on this quiet zone dilemma will be much appreciated and I shall respect your judgment, so long as you both agree. 
If not, I'll just go with the judgment I like best. <laughs> oh, there you go then. Thanks, and I hope I haven't rambled on too much. Uh, and also, you know, you talk about me shushing in the cinema. Very different environment. It's dark and there's no eye contact. <laughs> yeah, very, very different. Yeah. Although I have sometimes turned around and looked straight at somebody and went, said, uh, "Can you? C- could you stop talking, please?" So it can be done. Is it about? Is it the darkness that gives you the courage? I then I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, okay. Skulking around under the cover of darkness. Okay, this one is from Sarah. She says, I have a quandary for you. I live in Quebec City in a third floor apartment. The building in which my apartment is has six apartments, two for each floor. All the apartments have balconies in the back that are connected to a sort of fire exit staircase. So everyone has easy access to everyone's back door. Usually boundaries are respected and nobody has ever strolled into my area of the balcony, although there's nothing stopping them. In December, I bought a 12-pack box of beers, which I left outside next to my back door. The fridge is warmer than outside, and I'm sure the next day it snowed so much that the box was completely covered. As winter progressed, even more snow piled on top, but finally, last week, enough snow had melted that I decided to dig out my beers. The thing is, I couldn't find them. I could only come to one conclusion. One of my neighbours must have taken it. I have chairs, buckets, mops, plants, an exercise bike, even a little metal hedgehog that holds a spare key on the balcony and no one's ever touched anything. So I was surprised, but a heavy box of 12 beers couldn't have flown away. I sometimes receive packages by post and they spend a whole day in front of the front door until I get back home and I've never had any problems. I don't have any relationship with my neighbours because my French is very bad and even if I had perfect French, I wouldn't know what to talk to them about. (laughs) Confronting my neighbours is obviously out of the question but I am rather angry about this. I was expecting that all that beer would last me for at least two months and I had muscle cramps in my arms for three days after carrying the box home from the supermarket. Is there anything I could do? Should I contact the landlord? Wouldn't that seem a bit pathetic of me? This is a bit like your toaster dilemma in some respects, isn't it? It is. So I think there's two options here. Mm. You either confront the neighbours or you just live with it. There's 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 nothing else. You can't contact the landlord. That's not an option. No, 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 no. And your French is too... So I was thinking if you were speaking the same language... Mm. You could enter into some very perfunctory small talk and, you know, they say, hi, how are you? They say, I'm fine. Said, what are you doing this evening? Not much. What about you? Just enjoy some cold beers and then really scrutinise their face. Okay. Like look right into their souls, see if they go red, see if they start twitching. Look for tells. What about rummaging through their bins to find evidence? Yes. And then you could break into their house and, I don't know, soap prawns into their hems or their curtains. I don't know. Like There's there's revenge that could be had without any kind of confrontation. I mean, you could set a trap. Oh, yes, a trap. There we go. But it's it's seeing whether they would do the same thing twice. So what you do is you set up some kind of CCTV Mm -hmm. (laughs) at great expense. And then use a phone or an iPad or something and leave it going, a webcam. Right. And then you'd put the beers as a trap. Yes. And then you'd wait and see who took them. Yes. And then what would you do? You'd have the satisfaction of knowing. Okay. You wouldn't do anything else. No, no. You'd be able to glare at them. Then you you could send the video anonymously to the landlord. (laughs) Anonymously. (laughs) Or the police. They wouldn't the police. (laughs) Like they wouldn't know it was you <laughs> anonymously. <laughs> okay, well that's that one sorted. Yeah.
And that was our podcast. Thanks for downloading. Thanks for listening. If you are an iTunes user, don't forget to rate and review us. If you're not an iTunes user, you're off the hook for now. But I will think of some favour I need from you in the near future. Thanks to Man and the Echo for the backing music and for Emily Harrison for the incidental music during the incident. And advice this week came from the wonderful Will Attenborough. He's got a couple of films coming out. One is called Hunter Killer and the other one is called Where Hands Touch. And you can find him on Twitter if you just search for Will Attenborough. He's the one who respects wood. Nice little nod to curb your enthusiasm there. Vince Lynch and Simon Wilcox are our announcers and made our idents. Patrick Gunning and Iwana Babu provided technical support. Kim Rainey made our artwork and Carla Gowlett took the photos. So we'd love to hear from you, Annabelle and myself, and your fellow drifters. If you haven't yet shared your story of social ineptitude, uh, get it down into an email. Don't worry, don't overly, don't, don't overthink it. Uh, just send it to us, hello at adriftpodcast.com. And if you enjoy the podcast and you'd like to support us with a small sum of money every month, go to patreon.com stroke adrift. And finally, thanks to Annabelle's mum for the bottled water, just in case the Russians cut off our water supply. Do they even have access to the tap? Adrift. Adrift. All right, this comes from James and Rosie. Good old James and Rosie. Saw them the other week, actually. Oh, nice. A finger did. Uh, they say, ahoy, hoy, Jeff and Annabelle. Ahoy, hoy. I've been meaning to email you for a while for a publication, but now seems especially appropriate. After much hard work and brainwashing, I can now say I'm one of a very exclusive club of drifters. One who knows multiple other drifters. This is amazing. You know and have met my other half, Rosie, who's been a fellow devotee since the not-so-halcyon days of the radio show. But since then, uh, since the new podcast has been up and running, I've been extolling the virtues to many. Oh, this makes me feel good. Amazing. So my 17-year-old nephew, Asa, A-S-A, how would you pronounce that? Yeah. Asa was the first to fall under the spell. That's right. A youth. Oh, you're, you're now the youth wing. <laughs> um, in the last couple of weeks, not only has he subscribed to the podcast, but has gone back and listened to every episode, even the Whoa. dark days of Annabelle's absence. Whoa. So it's wonderful. We visited him this evening, and as we walked in, his mother, my sister Louise, was just in the process of subscribing herself as Whee! well. Oh, oh, this is, of course, a celebration. Um, on top of this... We visited Kate and Kai Farley, our friends and fellow window cleaners in Cornwall this weekend, and set them adrift too. Kai said they were going to start listening from episode one, so there's always the chance they'll drop off before hearing this podication, but I live in hope. Mm. This is wonderful. Yeah. To cement the listenership of all the above, we thought, what better thing could they hear than a podication to them all? Lots of love, James and Rosie. P.S. Rosie has at least four stories of awkward social interaction to relate. They'll be coming soon once she can retrieve the repressed memories. Oh, please do. Um. As an addendum to the podcast, I'm very happy to say there's another convert to the listenership what? today, Rosie's cousin Roger, who's a lorry driver from Coventry. Ooh. At this rate, I think I might um, have to think about charging permission. <laughs> yeah. Do, yeah, yeah. We, we'll thrash out a percentage. Mm. Well, that is wonderful. I'm so chuffed about that. Um, Asa there, it's so peng that you're listening. I'm sorry? Is that what they say, peng? Peng. Oh, I might have to Google it. I might That's, have got that wrong. If you've got that wrong, that is so embarrassing. Well, to be honest, even if it's right, that was quite embarrassing. <laughs> Peng. I think so. 
PNG. What does it mean? Like great, like ace, like cool. I think it, I think so. Let's uh, let's have Gro- a look. It's like groovy, is it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Ping. PNG. Fit or hot or good looking. Okay, got it wrong. Can, can <laughs> no, no. Can wrong. also used to be described used to describe something you like, like food, clothing, etc. Okay. Yeah, so I think I was kind of right. So how did you? How who told you that? I don't know. You know, this stuff goes in by osmosis, doesn't it? Okay. So yeah, it is Pang that you're listening, <laughs> oh, uh, Asa. Uh, as it is Louise, and then Kate and Kai Farley, and old um, old Roger, the lorry driver. Mm. This is this is great in his cab. It's nice to think of, isn't yeah, it? You can play it to some hitchhikers as well, Roger. Yeah. Okay. Well done for not saying anything else. <laughs> Before you bludgeon them to death. <laughs> oh, there we go. We couldn't help it. We couldn't help it. Um, so there, there we go. There's the uh, there's uh, the stereotype, the terrible stereotyping of lorry drivers, which I think <laughs> comes from Viz magazine. Yeah. Um, so uh, so thank you, uh, James, Rosie. We really appreciate that. And uh, if you would like a publication, email us hello at adriftpodcast.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.